0: We are doing this every Tuesday. They need to come hang out with Mooch and the misses.
1: That is called fascism. Okay, he is a fascist leader. He's
0: his own worst enemy. He's creating his own problems. You know, he's like one of those people who can't get out of their own way.
1: I don't want to be one of those
0: it's Like kind of Trump um, okay, haters. I just want it. to make...
1: Everyone is a product of their upbringing and their personal loyalties. I'm a human being, and I probably got overtaken by the excitement of him winning. The minute you called me to say, boom, as soon as I got that, like, boom, I called you right back. Anyway, you, then you, you lose hit the me. argument.
0: All the ladies out there... My
1: mother's like, why are you cursing so much? I'm like, ma... Where do you think I learned it from?
0: We do this podcast. I go into the city. We have dinners together, or we'll travel. We spend time to be together as yes. a couple and a family, and as business partners. And I feel like it really helps us.
1: You still love me? I do. Okay, do you still god. love me? Very much.
0: Okay. I don't know if you. Have, I mean, let's very much. Go my there.
1: liberal hot wife.
0: Oh my god! I feel like I'm watching like the like facts thro- of life.
1: No, it's like a 70s time capsule. Introduction <laughs> to time. <laughs> I mean, you know, I can feel the pimples growing back on my forehead right now, and the peach fuzz over my uh, lip. But it's fine. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) Oh my god! Okay. So I came into the studio. You're in LA. Boo hoo to you. I wish I was there, but I'm in New York. It's gray as gray as gray as your hair without dye. Oh
1: my god! That's how we're starting the podcast. Shine shade. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and we have a special guest in the studio with us to try to help us talk about something other than Trump insanity. So, mm-hmm. um, hi, Jason. We have Jason Lanyard here. He's Hello. the founder of Lanyard Grand Deli Team. It's a a top notch real estate firm. Um, I think you're you're based in Manhattan, correct? Yeah. So, um, in the best market in the world, <laughs>
2: maybe the most important. The
0: most important. Um, And so we're going to have a little bit of a uh, conversation with him about some of the stuff going on in the real estate market. And we can also discuss some of the Trump intrigue with him because he's admitted that he's even into politics semi sort of now, being that Trump is so crazy and has all of our attention. So where should we begin? Do you want to talk about some of these news stories, Anthony? I mean, I thought you would find the one interesting about the... uh, You're you're on a good roll. I'm on a good roll.
1: Yeah, so what's Mulvaney saying now? No, so... He's basically got on his knees in front of America and had a Catholic confession, but that's fine. What's he saying now?
0: What does that mean? Taking it all
1: back, right? He basically said they did a quid pro quo. They're stuffing uh, unauthorized conversations into the wrong servers, and they were holding back aid to the Ukrainians. That's what he said on Thursday. Oh, see, now I stopped watching
0: things because okay. I just can't even deal with it anymore. I can't keep up. I have bags under my eyes. Um, so yeah. okay, so all right, but now there's supposedly, I guess, because he did that, there's some talk that there might be a replacement in the works. This guy, okay, that I've never heard his name before. Um, he, obviously, you probably have Pat Chippoloni, or yeah,
1: he's how do you the, he's, pronounce his he's, name? Yeah, white. Uh, Chip alone oh, means Chipola. onion in Italian, by the way, little onion. little onion, Pat onion, like the satire magazine onion. Okay, that'll be fun. Pat onion will replace <laughs> Mick Mulvaney. So. But, you know, I mean, he's the White House uh, general counsel right now. Not a bad idea, actually, because Trump is in so much trouble. He's going to need somebody like that. So but the problem is Trump won't listen to him. So it'll well, that's it'll, the thing. You know, I don't it'll, need... it'll, it'll, Okay. So I want to bring you into the loop. Oh, turn,
0: turn your mic on. Is your mic on? I thought it was. Oh, there it is. Okay.
2: They tried a general already. Why not try another attorney? I mean.
0: Well, the funny part about this, I don't even know why we're discussing a chief of staff for him because he doesn't listen to anybody. So it could be me or Papa Smurf. Like (laughs) it could be anybody. It doesn't even matter because he doesn't listen to them. You know what I mean? Basically, they're just somebody that's covering for him. I don't know, within the White House and then occasionally in a press junket. Of course. Right? But, all, but it's not all, really a, all your co- a counselor. He doesn't listen to them. All
1: your all your years in real estate, you ever run into them?
2: No. Donald Trump? No, no, no. Look at um, you. It's funny because I've sold in a bunch of the Trump buildings, and every time it's happened, it's been like, I want to buy here despite the fact that, and this is years before the election, and now, you know, many buildings have already removed his name. They have name. to take the name down. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like... Not have to. Right. I mean, the owners have gotten together and decided to do this because it literally was devaluating their property. Forget all the emotional, you know, corollaries to that, that they felt living in these buildings. They actually didn't want people perceiving their properties as defective.
0: Oh, my God. It's
2: just pragmatic right. real estate, actually.
0: That's but the I, craziest thing. I think it's such an, Im,
2: like an important signifier of what this trickle down impact is upon sub markets.
0: Well the crazy thing is is that he has touched every single thing in life. Like you can't go anywhere. I was driving the other day and I'm passing Trump links, you know, in Queens or whatever it is, and I'm thinking, oh my I can't go anywhere without driving by or seeing something referring to him. Like he's taken over my life. And he literally has his finger in every pie every single and, and everything and I just don't think it's such a conflict of interest as his a president his industry was
2: never really real estate after the first 15 years anyway it's always been brand right it's all his about brand his only goal is to remain talked about so you know Ken what
0: of, the hell he, are you doing in that hotel room are you whipping people or what what well, is that what or playing <laughs> ping pong or something
1: no I was making myself a little hotel smoothie are you jealous that I'm in the Beverly Hills Hotel You could you could be jealous it's fine
0: I am, yeah, is it nice yeah, weather I made myself
1: yeah, it's like a California smoothie that I'm trying to eat. Uh, the weather is a little bit cloudy right now. It's supposed to burn off and over to uh, um, speak and then I'm flying out of here to Florida. So thanks that's for the, my day. Thanks
0: for the agenda. So let
1: us talk a little bit about the real estate market while we have the real estate guru on the phone. so the real estate market in New York devastated medium getting better where are we right now
2: well the general statement would be it's a very very soft market it's one of the worst markets some people have ever seen um, I'm in the business 15 years and in it's not the worst market in terms of what I've seen price wise it's the worst in terms of its confusion factor there's a lack of consumer confidence and a constant like sort of uh, also
0: Trump related
2: well, it's, it's, it's related so you know. to, to general news. Like, if you asked me maybe 18 months ago what was the problem with the market, I would have said the GOP tax code because it really screwed us with the SALT mm-hmm. deductions. Mm-hmm. But that would have been localized. Right, so, so,
1: so let's explain that, Jason. I think that's important for people. We got, we've we got listeners from all over the place. So the GOP tax code uh, basically eliminated the state and local income taxes. So for no reason that.
2: whatsoever. Um, basically, as part of the, the you know, tenets of this code, you previously, prior to the, the enactment, you were able to deduct up to $750,000 worth of your mortgage interest, depending on whatever that was at your given time, and also all of your taxes, all of your maintenance if you were uh, an investor and you didn't live in the property because it was a, a tax deduction to maintain and pay the taxes. That all went out. Uh, With the code such that we capped it at $10,000. And it was done on purpose to disadvantage, uh, to to disproportionately disadvantage the East Coasters because for us, $10,000. That's not even a million-dollar property. I mean you could own a $2 million property and barely scratch, you know, uh, 40 percent of that for Mm -hmm. your deduction now. So it really impacted people's abilities to carry certain properties with the tax deduction. And I'll repeat, it was totally unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Like it's not really connected to the the rest of the code itself. But it was like a political maneuver to piss us off.
1: Well, yeah, but I think what they were trying to do, frankly, they're trying to drive migration out of the blue states. And they're trying to punish blue states basically for not voting Republican. That's
2: basically what happened. I I totally read that at the time, and I don't deny that's the case. But I'm not sure, like almost two years later, if that has ended up the result, because there are so many factors already now, I think, impacting migrations. Anthony, don't you think that, you know... Yes, I agree with that. ...that that maybe that could have been the case if they didn't do any any number of other horrible things in the last two years that are making other economic factors too significant for the average American. I mean, uh, the New York market has always been a different market in terms of like its sub levels and its price points. You know, our average purchase here, uh, I think the median is something like in the $900,000. You know, this is not uh, the rest of America. But that doesn't mean that every single uh, price point isn't impacted by what's going on, and that's what I'm referring to about the consumer confidence. Like, so a lot how, of, does it, how
1: does it recover in your mind? Like, I mean, you're, I'm assuming that you believe that New York is a vibrant, long-term market, right? So, yes, what, what would cause the recovery?
2: Well, I'm already seeing, I think, an impact right now, and it's the age-old, you know, adage of the foreign investor. Anyone with cash, anyone with a birds eye view from afar who sees the market cycle, which is give or take about seven years, depending on who you ask, knows that this down market cannot be forever, and also it will rebound. You know, one of the things that New York is very, very easy to show is where the peaks are. So we last had a peak pricing of 2015, second quarter, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look in all the prime places where everyone used to talk about West Chelsea by the high line, Upper West Side by Lincoln Center, um, you know, the West Village of always, there is about, depending on where you're looking, maybe 10 or 15 percent reduction from that peak pricing, which is a very significant metric. My point is, if you're seeing it that way and you believe it will rebound, it's up to you to, to obviously have that confidence, but you're going to make 10 or 15% immediately when you buy now. That's mm-hmm. to say nothing of the next peak, which could be as late as 2022 or three, based on uh, both cycles in my experience. But my point is, it's a cyclical thing. So what happens when the foreigners come in? They start buying with cash. All my colleagues are noticing that suddenly, like four years ago, we would never, in the peak of the market, everyone is financing. Because that's what everyone does. They leverage everything they can to make what they need. And it's not just investors then. It's like families having babies and kids and divorces, life cycles, Mm -hmm. you know. Whereas right now, we have people buying cash because it's a currency play from abroad, Mm -hmm. you see. And also, people are seeing the real estate market as potentially more solid than the stock market. Mm -hmm. So, if you have the cash... You know, what I did in 2009 and 10 were a lot of deals. I was a little bit more novice then with investors and clients who clearly were a bit older than I am and understood the markets. And they knew what was going to happen before I did as a professional because they'd seen it before. Right. Just life experience. Yeah. Yeah. So the biggest thing I'm seeing is a lot of parents buying condos for their kids in cash.
0: Oh, that must be nice.
2: Well, I right, mean, so, all right you know, so let's say that the, we were going to buy the parents a condo who love their
1: kids of, <laughs> not, not <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> oh my god oh no,
1: so this is a public service message from our children we do love you so even where if we, are we can't buy you a op- condo <laughs> right but where are we buying you that assuming that we could buy you that condo and where are we buying that condo
2: well it depends on what you're trying to accomplish are you trying to find a space in the prime areas and take advantage of that 10 or 15% well, I just described say, you know, or you trying to back on the future of a, a different market. a
1: young 24-year-old actress that uh, needs to be in a swank area. Uh where would you buy it?
0: Let's
2: just say Wait, let asking me,
0: for a friend. Let me again. just
2: let me just consult my database of popular buildings for mistresses. I'll get I'll get right back oh to you. Oh my god. On that. Oh my god. Well,
0: if she's if he has a 24-year-old mistress, God help him. And her. No, so, it's my daughter. What,
1: what? God forbid. Oh, my God. If Amelia listens to this, she's going to whack me. No, well, actually,
2: Don't to worry, Amelia serious. never
0: yeah. listens to this, honey. To uh,
1: that's be serious true, that's true, for a that's second. True. I, that's true. I, it's I, not cool I, enough for Amelia. I, Drown I,
0: service on line one. An- Hello? What's that? Oh, I thought you, I thought you hung up on us.
1: You know, you can laugh me? about that, but no, I'm, I'm listening. This is, a, it's
2: a fascinating conversation. No, not honestly, about Trump, Jason, Jason
0: brought that up because that's probably a thing that actually goes on, it right? Yes. Yeah.
2: So I'm going to tell you a really oh, okay. good anecdote. So I, okay. I've been so doing this is business. your daily
0: dose of, of having, uh, no, you, no faith in humanity anymore. Let's tell us, tell yeah, us, us all about the, mistress condos. The no, let's go, No, tell us <laughs> what it goes on in real life. Blown. <laughs>
2: uh, I, um, I, I do a lot of business with um, foreign investors from India. It's just where I have a client base and I've gone back and forth to Mumbai and other cities for about a decade. Um, one of their popular things, which is A, cultural and B, also just related to currency, a lot of clients will buy their kids apartments when they're born. Or like two or three. And sometimes it'll be a funny story like, I want to buy an apartment near Columbia. Oh, wait. So where your daughter or son will go maybe in 20 years? That's crazy. Or 18 years? Yeah. But the answer, I, I... Tell you with a straight face is yes because they see it as an investment just like you know I was born in the mid seventies and my grandfather bought me a life insurance policy that was I got poli- a
0: CD my my, <laughs> my grandparents bought me a CD like a, <laughs> well I'm, okay. I'm
2: Jewish we're neurotics so, okay right you know w- why why buy a CD when at least you can definitely assume you'll eventually die right so I think that what's happening though when I see these parents buying for their kids is it it's more like yes I want to buy where I know they could live. But it's more of a sentimental way to state, not only have I bought you something for your future, but it's a physical like asset. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's tangible. Mm-hmm. And when you're in high school, maybe, you know, when we stop renting it out, we might be able to visit it and you can tell your friends, oh, I saw my condo in New York. You know, and it's not like So this is a cultural <laughs> thing. It's not a no, but I'm trying to say it's not a snobby thing. It's just really pragmatic and if I can be soft for a moment, or very emotional. Investing, mm-hmm. you know, it's a way to say I've actually in, in invested in the infrastructure of my children's future. Yeah,
0: I, I totally get that. Because the condos
2: are liquid. It's pretty it's, mm-hmm. pretty.
1: it's pretty. It's a pretty cool idea.
0: It is right. So well, what
1: area? What area of the city he's still would
0: we buy? To my twenty-four-year-old
1: daughter. You good okay, okay.
2: Well. Um, I I have to I have to as a rule make a shout out to the Nomad neighborhood because that's where my business partner and I are selling one of the top new condos there called Rose Hill. But honestly, Nomad is the next downtown. So epicenter. I'm confused
0: cuz I'm like old now what, where's Nomad?
2: Okay. Well, Anthony, um, do you know I think it's north of
1: Madison. I don't know, correct. north of Madison Square, correct. maybe? He is correct. Okay. Probably, probably right by the Rose Hotel, the Rose Bar, uh, uh, Gramercy Park, that area? Actually, or no? I didn't yeah. know this
2: until um, the project came on board for us that Rose Hill is the term for this area of, well, now right. we call it north of Madison Square Park, but Rose Hill, I think, originated from the late 19th century, and it refers to a farm Okay. that, that mm-hmm. was privately owned. I forget the, the name of the owner. But you know, as is mm-hmm. often the case with real estate, some some real estate pundit gets the idea that something is exciting, gives a name to it, and the marketing takes off and it's a
0: it, thing, it's branding again, right? Right,
2: right, but but I but I think the neighborhood branding is a very specific uh, comment because for example, when I got to the city 22 years ago, I'm dating myself now. Um, it no. was <laughs> It was very, very cool to go out in the meatpacking district. Yeah. You know, that was our thing. Do you know our why generation. it was called that? Because that used to it be where, was right. the meatpacking district right. where the meat was packed. Right. I mean, I used to go to clubs that um, honestly... They
0: were like warehouses oh, yeah, back in the day. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and
2: and let me be honest. I'm, I'm gay, and, and heterosexuals would not have touched this place 22 years ago. Of course, five or seven years later, it was the coolest spa, spa, spots of, of all time. And that's a separate conversation mm-hmm. about... How sort of a uh, gay culture changes a a, a dynamic, but meatpacking was a pejorative. It was not like now. right. It's like when you think meatpacking, you right. think Diane von Furstenberg,
0: right? The yeah, I'm yeah. I was you. in that generation of people that was going out. Oh, you're going to meatpacking? We're of going to meatpacking. Yeah, yeah, that course. was always what we were doing. Yeah, of course. Right.
2: So, guess what? Nomad is. That's, so now that's, that's the what's new. Going on. The, nomad north, is the north new Madison meat, meat park is the Madison Square new.
0: But so what's the in, what's the culture of Nomad? Are they, they priced
1: attractively because of the current real estate market? Or?
2: I don't understand the question. What do you mean?
1: No, meaning that. So you said the market's a little soft. It's a brand new building. Is it is it priced attractively given the market softness? Yes. Or because it's a brand new building, is it have a premium?
2: Both. Both questions have the answer of yes, which is that the new development market is always at the top of the heap. It's always the blue Right. Chip okay. That, well,
1: that makes sense. But it's, it, it's still priced in a way where it's uh, competitive.
2: Yes. Competitive compared mm-hmm. to what, though? Compared to other new developments. You can get a really, really great two-bedroom apartment for only $2,100 a square foot in Nomad. I mean, at the height of peak pricing in 2015 in more prime neighborhoods, West Village, Chelsea, we're talking about $3,000 a square foot as the asking
0: I'm just amazed that anyone can even afford to live in New York thinking of these prices and like what people actually make. It's crazy. I can't believe it. And it's such a shame. It's like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Most people pay these extreme rent prices and that's like a mortgage payment, but they don't have the down payment money. So they spend their whole life renting at these exorbitant prices. It's crazy.
2: Yeah, but then you have stories pre-peak you know, pre pricing where 15 Central Park West, now considered the... Limestone Jesus is how it's referred to because it's the first. <laughs> is it really? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, fifteen
0: CPW. I remember be- that was because so. it's
2: where people flipped for forty percent returns. I mean, you can we can all make fun of or be jealous of the ten million dollar owner that was able to flip for fourteen million. But that's the reason this conversation is taking place because mm-hmm. if Nomad is the next whatever. And by whatever, I mean downtown hub because I think it is. It's already becoming that because of the hotels. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the restaurant scene, the hotel scene, the foreigners. It's got this really vibrant cultural thing going on that the West Village in Chelsea had about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And Tribeca, too, from a more sort of residential, resident, you know, restaurant aspect. But Nomad is just like, if you buy $2,100 a foot and you can resell it later for $2,400 a foot – yeah, you scrounged to make that eighty percent financing yeah, you, because right. it was worth it. That's just end, smart yeah. investing. So yep. you know, so I think part of the fun of my job is seeing where these cycles impact like individual human people.
0: And all the so psychology going into making a real estate investment, right? There's so much psychology, right?
2: Yes. So much psychology. A, so much psychology. On a,
1: on a place like Fifteen Central Park West, though, those those entry prices <coughs> 10 or so years ago, that, that proved to be a good buy for people, right? I mean, that that was a good.
2: Anthony, it right, was one of the appre- best buys of all time, I believe. You don't right, call then. it the
0: limestone ap- Jesus for nothing.
2: Yeah. I didn't yeah, make they that appreciate up. appreciate it a lot. Yeah. 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 Like it, mm-hmm.
0: oh, pretty it's... cool. All right. Well, so
1: so let me let me ask you a question. We have a lot of young people who are, you know, even though we're not that cool to our children, we have a lot of young people that actually listen to the podcast. So <laughs> can you can you can you tell us a little bit about your early career and how you got started? How you think about you know the business and and uh, you know some of the ups and downs that you've had.
0: Well, I know you're also a musician, right? Yeah. Right. I,
2: well, yeah. yes. So um, <clears throat> I hate to tell this story, but I often get asked so I will. I I'm a cliche. I was a musical theater performer. I went to conservatory after college. I had an extreme I got an extremely useful degree in Slavic literature from Princeton. <laughs> and then I went to <coughs> the Royal Me Academy. I, yes. If I'm, my... a, I'm, a Slavic,
1: I'm a Slavic PhD. Okay, keep going.
2: Wait, you are, Anthony? No. No, I'm making
1: a joke. I'm oh, making a joke. Shit. I'm a, I'm a I basically can barely speak English, according <laughs> to my wife. I mean, come on, I'm making no, a joke.
2: You're such a polymath, honestly. For a second, I thought it was possible. He is a po- he is a polymath. He's a big
0: time nerd. So he's not great in languages, though.
2: Oh well, I'm he, nerdier he, than people.
1: Given my Guido exoskeleton, I'm nerdier than people think. I'm basically a Jewish rabbi <laughs> on the inside with like a Guido
0: exoskeleton. But I keep that going. There is
2: nothing Guido about you, expect, except the fact that you use the word to describe yourself. And his name is Guido-ish.
0: <laughs> yes. But either the, either way, he's definitely not a Guido.
2: Well, I'm let so me so just cliche. put it this way: my my
1: my 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 my
0: husband. You have a husband? Wife?
1: No, I was. I was going to say my wife's first was... husband was also named Anthony, so I'm oh. Anthony 2.0 in her life. Ooh. Okay, keep going. Sorry. Oh, well go that... back to this uh, <clears throat> origin story. This is like Superman's origin story, ahead. Okay?
2: If, if only. Um, I was so I was an actor, and I I was a success as an actor, but it's it's very difficult in between, obviously, gigs to pay your rent and. Truthfully, I think me being a bit of a, you know, Ivy League grad, it was really hard for me to make ends meet. And I, you know, I was an SAT tutor. I was a bartender.
0: Everything to scrape together the money, right? I had
2: so many, no, no, I had so many jobs, but I literally never scraped the money together. I mean, I scraped something. I don't know if it was called money. And um, my parents, I don't come from like well-to-do parents. And honestly, it was ruining their lives financially. And I actually exited the theater... Kicking and screaming. It was the year I got my real estate license was a real low for me. And I did did, did it under duress. But I had a friend who was also an actor and he was making like $100,000 renting apartments, which to me in 2005, I thought that was like a million dollars. I mean, I, right. I think it's double what I had ever made in right. any given year back then. And so I said, OK, fine. I got my license. I started renting apartments. It would never have occurred to me that I would ever have this job a year from now or that I would ever sell apartments cuz rentals you get a check every week. You mm-hmm. know, you, you rent an apartment it takes 72 hours. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even go into the sales market for 2 years because it took 6 months to wait for a commission. I didn't have that luxury. So, my career was a bit of a slow burn at first, but um, then I, <laughs> but then, oh it, then, it, then it then it exploded. So then I, once I once I got into the sales market, I saw the different, you know, uh, Different factors that sort of go into the real estate market, and real estate actually is a lot of different people experience success in real estate. Some because they have a lot of connections, some because they're smart.
0: Whatever you're doing, stop. Sit still. What am I doing?
1: Dragging their testicles on the floor. Oh Jesus Christ! Okay, all right. No,
0: you're like you're you're twisting and turning, and the phone is like making noise and stuff.
2: Okay, geez, I'm sorry. I'm just sitting here in the chair. Okay, the mooch is in the house. Deirdre can attest, no, I'm not dragging my testicles on the No, floor. not
0: right now. Maybe it later. Seems, no. It would seem to
2: be no, an appropriate I've, conduct It's issue. not. Known, it's only been, 10 a.m. We known can't to do that. that. I've been known to
1: do that from time to time. But go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: Oh, anyway, so I, I yep. started selling apartments. But what's interesting is because I had rented apartments for so long and I understood the rental market, I later would become a bit of an investment expert because the luxurious brokers wouldn't be able to answer the questions of oh this is the cap rate this is how you're going to be able to absorb the you know the rental on this and the rental market is always very different from the sales market. So I formed the partnership that I'm in now with my uh, partner Nicole Grandelli in 2008. A nice
0: Italian girl.
2: Exactly, mm-hmm. and she would mm-hmm. she would definitely tell you that her Italian influence is uh, simpatico with um, my Jewish upbringing. Although it's very similar, she would insist it's less neurotic. Slightly. I would agree that it's less neurotic, maybe less efficient, separate conversation.
0: Uh, Equal in guilt from parents,
1: especially mothers. (laughs) It's definitely less less efficient and it's way more dramatic in some ways.
2: It is. It is. And actually, uh, my my boyfriend is also Italian. And honestly, I feel like the Italians are all around me and it's not fair.
0: (laughs) You're surrounded?
2: (laughs) Yes. Well, the food's got to be great. I mean, come on. It's right? great, but I'm a vegetarian, did you, did you, did you, so it's like you know, they,
0: eggplant they, baby.
2: I know there's only so much eggplant. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: did your
2: boyfriend cook though, at least, or no? We've As cooked once. On, We've cooked no? once. We've been together eleven months, cook but once. you know, Sorry, it was so very, he's good. It was very good. was very
1: good. Italian. Yeah. it's like me. I I I know how to make toast.
0: Yeah, he doesn't know how to cook.
1: I I do not. Yeah. Know one time cook. Maybe, maybe he frozen um waffles frozen waffles, according to my son.
0: No, one time I was making soup and he used the hand like mixer to actually, you know, break down the butternut squash that mm. I was making the soup out of. And he thought he was like, um, i Ina in a garden. The gal it was,
1: for me. No, I thought <laughs> I was a yeah. gal <laughs> for He's me. Like, yeah. He's like, did you see how we I mixed that
0: soup? I was like, yeah, and you scraped the entire we bottom a, of my pot. I thought we were
1: going to have a, I thought we were going to have a food channel, not a food show, like an entire channel. After I mixed the soup. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I myself am domestically challenged. So we were cooking in my kitchen and he was making uh meatloaf. With, I should say, in meatloaf. You're a vegetarian. I know. This is how great he is. We we made it out of beyond. <laughs> oh, beyond 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 oh, yeah. beyond okay. beyond uh, plant based meat, which truthfully has saved my life. Um, so it and he pretty, was he was tastes pretty good actually. My brother made me one of those. Ones, so. I'm a huge fan actually. Yeah, it's my really, brother's a vegan,
0: yeah. and so he brings all his yeah, beyond knows, this. Yeah, and, but he knows
1: how to he knows he knows how to cook that stuff. So it tastes amazing
2: actually. Was, it's was very good. Yeah. Yeah, so he was he to was uh, he was trying to like give me a, give me a role in the cooking, which by role I mean stir this and try to not talk as much. And so uh, I was able to identify something as a whisk. Yes. And I, yes. that was the highlight of mm-hmm. my experience.
0: Oh, okay. So you know about whisks? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I just wanted to get that out. So
0: you could sell me a place, and I could teach you about the kitchen.
2: If only I could learn. Oh.
0: Yeah, if you don't want to. No, 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 no. You don't That's, need to. That's the no, thing. No. Living in New York, you could just eat out every night. No, you know? actually,
2: I would love to, truthfully. Oh, really? Like, no, no. I think it's do, fun. It's domestication fun. is one of those you know human qualities I really want to understand someday because I want to have kids. So I don't really feel like I need to cook, but I feel like I want to know how.
0: Like if you needed to yeah, or if what you if, felt what like
2: if, it. What if, what if one day suddenly all the delivery sto- uh, uh, services are not operating, the, the boyfriend or the husband's away, and I have to cook for a, a two-year-old child? You got to call I, me. You, you, I'll help you. No, no, no.
1: You you take frozen waffles out and you get whipped cream <laughs> and you spray the whipped cream on their face so they laugh and then you <laughs> stuff the waffles in them.
2: What what That's food what group is the then, waffles, then, frozen waffle? If,
1: yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's the 2-year-old food group. I think it actually says it right on the box. It says <laughs> this is for a 2-year-old.
0: Oh my god. And like, that goes along with but, butter yeah, pasta but and she, chicken fingers.
1: Which is the main reason why my, w- my wife will never leave me with these kids longer than like 15 minutes. It's little like a timer goes off. It's like an egg timer goes off. <laughs> well, I know they with-
0: wouldn't be fat. Fe- they would be like malnourished by the time you brought them back if it was like a weekend or something. Oh,
1: well, my idea of fruit is fruit by the foot or fruit loops. That's my idea of, mm-hmm. of, of, of a balanced diet. Mm-hmm. But look, I mean, you know, we're all different. But, but No wonder wear no thongs. Thong. Oh my god. Go, That's go, the best go one. Back because because I'm 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 curious. No about underwear, this. no thong. Uh, because yeah. Do you remember what that was <laughs> referenced to? Yes, you He said, no no
0: said if you were walking around with a barrel and suspenders, no underwear, no thong, would I still no, be I married say, to you? I
1: said it, no, I said I just wanted to know if I was impoverished tomorrow. And I had a barrel with suspenders. That's
0: what I just no said. No one wear
1: or thong. Yeah. I oh
0: just said that. All right, all right. All right. All right. No one to wear, no thong.
1: Right. I, right. I just it don't on. know if you still. I don't know, know if you still love me. But I mean, you know, fine
2: oh if you didn't. God, I just dying. was curious. You
1: know. <laughs> but, but,
2: but let's go. Let's go back what's, to what's uh, the make on the barrel we'll, that you're wearing? Who's who's the designer? Is of that it Jack Daniels? It was Jack Daniels whiskey.
1: Barrel. We have only one barrel in the house We went down to Jack Daniels about six years ago And bought ourselves a barrel of Jack Daniels whiskey So if you and your boyfriend like Jack Daniels We,
0: we can like plenty drop off We like can send you some
2: <laughs> Old number seven
0: Yep Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum ten dollars per order. Additional terms apply.
1: But uh, uh. the, the question—the <clears throat> question I have—is like a little bit more of a business question. If you don't mind, your your um, your trade—you um, have a delicate balance because your client, I guess, is the person you're selling to, but your clients, in some ways are the people that are buying, right? Because, you know, you've got a person comes to you and says, okay, I want to buy this. You're getting paid by the seller. So how do you manage that from a quote-unquote brokerage perspective? Like, how do you think about that?
2: Um, I actually think that's not a complicated answer beyond uh, one of integrity. And the other aspect is I've made a name for myself um, mm-hmm as really a profit specialist uh, the tagline if you go on our website lanyardgrandelli.com. Mm-hmm. I was going to give you the plug is a hundred million in profit because after years of watching brokers brag about selling this much volume and I could tell you how much volume I've sold, it's it's several hundred million. but I've made a hundred million in profit for my clients. So my point is if you're representing the buyer, or the seller, truthfully, because a good buy is a good buy. That's the thing. A meeting of the minds is always a good buy. If you're able to choose the right product... It and
0: is... heavy breathing. Do you guys hear this? Do
2: you hear this? Well, now I think he's rubbing oh against the my carpet God. The I must, <laughs> I have the most. I must have the most Do you have an sensitive... itch on your nose or something <laughs> that you're rubbing on the floor? No, like... I must have the most sensitive...
1: Uh, this is like, I, I feel like I'm in like a sound studio with the stupid phone. Okay, no, you no
0: need to go back and listen to this Holding after you were... You were literally like... <sighs> Like, can you talk about
1: sex at some point? <laughs> okay, I'm holding my breath. I'm holding my breath.
0: <laughs> we can even hear you holding your breath. Okay, I'm sorry. Mooch? Aunt.
1: <laughs> go ahead. I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs>
0: okay. I'm sorry. Now of, I interrupted your Choo Choo
1: Train. I forgot as as well, where right? I was. I, <laughs> I, want go, I want to go. No back collusion. He was literally giving oh, a yeah, beautiful so, rendition so, of how but, you manage a conflict of interest, yeah, which so, I think is. Very okay. important in every business.
2: That is true. So, so, you, so I am always paid by the seller, no matter what. The, the 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 commission always comes from the sale side. But the only way for a, a successful transaction is is for usually in New York City for two brokers to be participating. So, if I'm able to source on the buy side the right purchase, which may happen to be, for example, this condo we're selling Rose Hill, if it's a competitive price and it's hundred dollars a foot less than the neighbor, and it's designed in a superior fashion and and of all the new developments in the area, we are expecting it to be the most profitable venture upon resale in the future, then I've just answered the question for you. Meaning that I can represent mm-hmm. the developer, which which I, I don't actually even do in this project. My business partner does, but the point is that I'm not even, I don't even have a fiduciary relationship and I'm promoting it so aggressively because it is the best buy. and our, And our clients are happy. And by the way, when you have a new development and you're able to raise the prices while it's being sold, which is really the, the name of the game with you know strategic marketing of a new condominium, it can take two years or you know for a condominium to sell. Um, in this case, I think it'll take less than a year. But um, if you're able to raise prices even in a down market, you do the math there. The price increase is part of the profit. Mm-hmm. So. You know, not everybody gets that. In fact, in this current landscape, Anthony, there are buildings that are not selling. There's one actually um, called One Manhattan Square that just went to a rent-to-buy scenario because only 25% of the building's 800-plus units had sold. So the building has effectively become a rental, and it is no longer a profitable venture.
0: Oh, my God. That sucks for the builder.
2: Listen, real estate is a gamble. It's it always a risk, it really and it's always is. based on timing. And you know, the first person to get there isn't always the best because they're taking the biggest, you know, risk. The last person to get there is usually not is the least profitable because they paid the most for the. You're right, exactly right. right. Paid the most for the land. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in this particular case, the project we're working on uh, was capitalized a few years ago, so they correctly foresaw the explosion of you know culture and and energy in the nomad area and they correctly in this case uh, hired Setra Ready to design the building in a very art deco fashion so it actually looks um, with these chevrons on the exterior it looks like it could have easily come about just a few years after the Empire State which is nice because you know with lots of new product how do you differentiate it beyond anything else I But know. it's appearance and everything
0: is oh so modern now I know and you need to differentiate because it's the same old stuff and yeah, I got to check out that that building.
2: I, I actually think that. I think if the architects had heard you say that, they would be so relieved because that's so much of why I think it's such a beautiful project. And why, I, I, by the way, I feel this way about a lot of um, New York projects that try to really harken back to you know a former time because the glass structure really is almost like a monolith at this point and glass glass is beautiful and the from the interior your view is lovely but as the building ages how do you differentiate to your resale buyer
0: I don't know I mean I look at all the buildings on park and just on the upper west side and it, all of the old architecture and everything was done by hand and it's so beautiful and then it'll be next to a building that was done in like the 50s or 60s mm-hmm. and Anthony and I always say like how could who decided that that was more attractive than this ornate hand carved, you know, face on this building People
2: make bad choices and real estate design can affect its, you know, appreciation in perpetuity, not just that, but the desirability of living there. Like,
0: well, I mean, I know there's everybody has different taste. you know, like we were saying before, we, we there have are some a place great in,
2: glass towers, by the way, I'm there not are, but aligning. like you
0: need to have variety in life, just like with everything, you know, you don't want all everything to look exactly the same. And so, different things appeal to different people.
2: Yeah. I mean, listen, if you're in a glass tower, like I think I think if if, the, if you bought at 157, which is really, you know, where Billionaires Row started um, on 57th Street, that is where a glass tower shines. Because it literally rises up from the ground in a concrete jungle of many pre-war apartments. A lot of the pre-war buildings in Midtown are very tall by pre-war standards. So then you get this... Extremely high elevation, scores of feet above the rest of the pre-war. Mm. So, in that context, I think being a glass tower is quite nice because you're a contrast mm. to the older buildings. Right. But, but then when you're right, trying
0: but then you need you gotta mix it up. You gotta right. Well,
2: the problem too is that <laughs> breathing <you> know, again. <laughs> I really, I I'm so convinced there's something the else going on. No, okay. me too. Wasn't
0: he breathing again?
2: You might want to like, you know,
0: just put it on mute. Do you have mute?
1: I'm gonna to try to put it on mute now. You guys are like so rude. It's like unbelievable. Hold on.
0: Okay. You know what? But then, okay.
2: <laughs> Anthony, between you and me, I don't. I don't mind. You can. You can keep making lots of noises. But uh, your wife doesn't seem <laughs> gotta, to be thrilled I gotta, about I gotta,
1: it. I got. I get I gotta. I gotta. I gotta tell you, it's like unbelievable.
2: Go ahead. The go, go ahead, keep going. Well. Well, We're What just I, talking about what I variety. find in real estate is that a lot of people, especially in recent years when the condo sort of craze is, you know, well beyond its first decade, um, there's such an appreciation for the buildings that feel like buildings that are New York buildings, you mm-hmm. know, like what people never mention when they talk about real estate is like what attracts usually people to a particular area is its provenance, its history culturally, mm-hmm. you know. I lived in the East Village when I first moved to the city 22 years ago, and it was the late 90s. No one was willing to live west, uh, east of, of, of Second Avenue back then. It was I was considered extremely uh, risque, especially for an Ivy League graduate. And it was like lots of freaks, lots of you know drag queens, you know drug dealers would be up and down Avenue A in the middle of the night. It was a it was a crazy place. But part of that comes from its history as like. Music, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of, you know, you have the punk movement, which begins basically on Bowery. um, Well, and uh, um, Manchester, England, but, you know, separately. Um, And so all that music scene informed the style of person and the eclectic shops that would be there. So Mm -hmm. even though that scene is gone, the new condos in the East Village really, really... Define that and they try they to inhabit s- it and: Yes, and they try to reflect that culture. Mm-hmm. like if you go to the sales launches for any of the like buildings like uh, a few years ago, um, there was a building that launched on Bond Street, apparently right where Andy Warhol had lived, and the entire marketing um, was in, in, like trying to sort of capitalize on this having been where Andy Warhol's factory. it wasn't even where the factory was, but it was where that eclectic artistic energy once was. So let's live here and let's, in a sort of vampiric way, like sort of suck up that energy. And that continues to this day. You know what I love about the West Village is that the West Village is the most expensive, most desirable, most like upscale place as a destination. And the reason is because its provenance was the Beats. In the fifties, mm-hmm. like the West Village was a crazy place in the fifties and the sixties, and then of course the gay rights liberation movement starts in sixty nine. And the West Village, when I moved to the the city, was like the upscale, you know, gay neighborhood. Now it's just upscale, mm-hmm. and it's very very foreign. And there's no there's trace, so much history, but there's no trace of a lot of that history. There's some. There's some, Um and the sum is partially what keeps everything vibrant, you know, and that's in perpetuity. So. Follow me here. If you have a building that feels like it could have been around at that time, then I think people really respond to it. Yeah, like, they,
0: attach, they get attached to it. In a good way. Right.
2: Like you, why don't you want to have an emotionally positive relationship with your real estate as it turns out to be an asset, but it's also where you're raising your kids?
0: Of course. And or you you're live you're there every day. It rubbing affects your, your nose your... on the carpet. Right, you know? or you're dragging your balls or whatever. <laughs> right? You need to like well, it.
2: Some of
1: us have to drag our balls when we're allowed to breathe. But when we can't breathe, it's hard to drag your balls. Dragging oh their God. testicles on the floor. <laughs> <Labia>. <laughs> oh,
0: oh, my God. God. Labia. He's. A... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's a good you know one, Jason. You
1: remember the tick that got on your friend's labia?
0: Oh, my God. Okay, so. That's, I think that's
1: why I, I reiterate go. that I'm gay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. He, Jason doesn't <laughs> want to know about labia.
1: Can we talk about Maybe sex Jason at some point? has no interest in anybody's labia. No, that's he doesn't. Okay. Well, unless, do. unless we're talking right, so. about a surrogate. If
2: okay, something shoots
0: out of your vagina, you're going to worry about it.
1: That is totally true. Anything that comes out that breathes, you worry about.
0: Or okay, so even if it doesn't before breathe.
1: We, before um, we let you go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... Wait, I wanted to talk up. about
0: something. Okay. okay, what was your topic? Because okay. I, just, I just wanted to... Um, okay. I wanted to talk to you about the most <coughs> dangerous celebrities online. <laughs> there was this... Um, McAfee released uh, a list of the most dangerous celebrities on the internet for 2019. Did I say Nine. No, two thousand nineteen. And um, like who's attached to viruses and malware and stuff like that. I guess like if people you know, like clickbait. Um, so I just thought that was so interesting.
2: Who's on the list?
0: So um James Corden, Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones. So random. Jackie Chan. What do
2: they Courtney define Kardashian. as dangerous? Like what like, the criteria?
0: If like say there's a picture of you and I go click on it. And then there's like a virus attached to whatever the picture was or whatever that kind of thing. It's just like there are so people you're saying that they're Kourtney using. Kardashian has, she
2: internet has internet venereal. Yeah, she has internet VD. Hmm. She
0: does, babe. You didn't make that list. Just saying.
1: I I don't have internet VD. That's good news. You just have. Got a I got a breathing problem. I have a deviated septum probably, <laughs> but I don't have internet.
0: <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All right. Well, this is this, there's another cute story that made me think of you, because um, you you exercise a lot, and now we know you eat breakfast because you're eating a banana and a smoothie. So I was reading a story that um, there's a debate now. Um, you know, science and medicine switches the story every like. There's cycles with with that information too. Like, oh, cholesterol is good. Cholesterol, is bam, whatever. So now they're they're debating whether it's makes more sense to exercise before you eat breakfast or after you eat breakfast. So supposedly pre-breakfast exercise is better for you and it like balances your insulin. And I'm, I'm what a, do you guys, or I, I, you I'm could a, just take my route I'm and just an don't exercise. I'm
2: practitioner where it is considered anathema to eat anything before you exercise. And I don't think I've had any food before exercising in like eight years since I started the practice. And I can't even eat in the mornings anymore unless I've exercised.
0: Right, so you have trained yourself.
2: No, I'm telling you, it feels that feels natural to me.
0: But like, what about even a coffee or, an... do you hear this?
1: I just, Am I still breathing? <laughs> okay,
2: I'm moving the phone away. Maybe, 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 maybe this is listen, this is my first time on this podcast. I don't know what his behavior is like when he's normally calling in outside. No, but I'm i in the studio. Maybe, maybe this is really entertaining I'm, I'm, to him, I'm, and he's just really responding with some oh, heavy maybe, breathing. Maybe, because,
1: no, I'm, 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 a, lot, I'm no. I'm, the point is, I'm breathing heavy right now, but I breathe heavier in studio. It's just that Neil has my mic. Mute, muted, but it's fine. You guys are beating up on me. It's fine. When do I mute I you? you I love you. I love you. I love you both. Love oh my both.
0: god, Uncle Neil! N- Uncle Neil doesn't mute you.
1: No, Uncle Uncle Neil. The other thing is the kid that you're sitting next to, Jason. This this kid is like 500 years old. I mean, did you listen to the introduction? Okay, it's like <laughs> melodies from like Tony Orlando and Don and shit um, like Neil. that. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like especially music. By the music. way, that was my first it's concert. So <laughs> Is, I'm not lying. What was your <laughs> first
2: concert? Tony Orlando, you know, Orlando, Tony Orlando and Don. And Don. No, no.
1: Thanks, mom. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> he's Twenty. He's 23 years old, but he literally is like an ancient fossil. <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen anything like it. He's like a Fossilized figure from like the 1950s. So it's
0: fine.
2: That's interesting it's because fine. he doesn't look old enough amazing. to have gone to college yet.
0: Doesn't <laughs> <laughs> he look so young? Whenever I talk he's to you him, grow him the beard s- again.
2: He's a sweet-looking 16-year-old man,
0: right? <laughs> boy, man-child, man man. boy, man-child, ba-
1: baby. I'm gonna let you wrap this with Jason because I've got I've got to get to this uh, breakfast here.
0: Okay, um, yeah, we're going to wrap um,
1: it up.
2: Don't oh, leave us. We're not going to talk oh, about the oh. House censoring Adam Schiff? This is what I came on to I know. To
0: oh, my God, we're going to have to have you oh. back. <laughs> we're oh. going to have you well, back. That
1: was, that was ridiculous. I mean, by the way, you know, I think Adam Schiff made one tactical mistake, which was the improvisation of the dialogue, which, of course, Trump is lynching his entire life on. But, mm-hmm. but they've got him so badly yeah, but I just want to let you know how lawless the country has become. If the Democrats did not win the House uh, in November of 2018, oh, would there would be no impeachment inquiry. They they would let him do whatever he wants to do. And so, the moral test of the Republican Party in terms of character and integrity, and whether or not we are a country of laws above humans. Uh, the Republican Party circa 2019 has failed that test.
2: Yep. But there, there are many other conservatives that are starting to speak like you who are trying to take mm-hmm. back the conservative movement. And as a liberal, you know, I don't even think I should promote such a thing. But the, <laughs> the, the very nature of honest discourse is something that I think a lot of conservatives are hoping to get back and to stop Amen. talking about crime and to talk about policy. I mean, let's fight about that. Mm-hmm. Well, here,
1: here's what I would say to my liberal friends, though. You, you you have no idea. We do so much better when we have two parties and there is that discourse and there is that concession and is that, like, uh, ability to pull things together into the middle. Uh, one-party systems, they don't do well, whether it's uh, communist China, Venezuela, Mexico. Ultimately, one-party systems only have a 70-year life expectancy if you look at them. Think of uh, communist Russia – or the Mexican government or I was in Malaysia 62 years of one party rule it switched over was a disaster so so you got to have a two party system or more than two parties but you have to have some kind of rigorous debate in the system otherwise
2: I agree with that but fails. you know I think one of the things that a lot of pundits got wrong in this you know cycle is comparing trump's behavior to authoritarian regimes now obviously in effect it's how things are getting done but he doesn't function as an authoritarian he's functioning as a criminal covering up for crimes that's all it is like you know so i think that i think it'll be really really we're deirdre and i were just speaking about this before the the cast started it's like we're so looking forward to the time when politics is like part of the cycle but you know, we can get about our lives. You know, we don't need to yeah. look for scandals every well, hour.
1: Well, Trump's, Trump's, Trump's got to go for that to happen. and, and You and know who's got to go? Happens, you got to go.
0: You have to go shower. Uh,
1: all right. All right. I'm going to let you guys finish this. But here's what I'll say, Jace. We're coming to buy an apartment from you, okay? Because uh, when Deirdre runs for mayor, we're going to need a residency requirement. So we're coming to buy an apartment from
2: you, okay? I'm, I'm a fan <laughs> on all counts. Oh,
0: my God. Okay, well, thank you for being here with us. And I wanted everybody to check out your website. Tell them the name of your website. It's, it's lanyardgrandelli.com, Lanyard-Grandelli.com right? Okay.
2: Spelled exactly as you would As think. it sounds. Correct. And, um, and you're definitely you so involved and, and
0: emotionally invested in your client. So I suggest you guys look him up if you're, if you're looking to buy something or sell something. Um, Alright, so it's Tuesday. We'll see you next Tuesday. Hopefully I'll be in studio. I think Anthony's not going to be here again, but I'll be here. And um, until then, check us out online. See you later. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact.